Hey, Anna. Remember that time it was you Mr. Rogers liked? Remember that time in historical podcast. I'm your host, Anna Webb. And I'm your host, Amanda Webb. This is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments in history. Hello. Okay. <laughs> so we're going through it. Yeah, but also I was I wasn't gonna say that, but it's true, we are. But I was going to say <laughs> In our last couple episodes, we were like, maybe we'll have this theme next month, or maybe this theme. Yeah, we're not going to do either of those no, things. No, so, no, no, no. Sorry that's about where that. We are sorry, <laughs> um, but um, you get this instead. Us, yeah, pretty emotionally fragile. Gonna yep. talk about some Fred Rogers one who makes us very emotional. So. Yeah, so you know we've gotten fun. A little choked up before on this podcast. This 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 might be a weepy one. Oh, I'm yeah. going to be very honest with it's you. It's definitely going to be. Because we are both uh, having a moment. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of big feelings about Mr. Rogers. So. <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> okay. Do you want a drink update before we Yeah, let's, let's just go ahead and, yeah, let's do that. Okay, I'm having a smoothie. Ooh, it looks delish. What is in your smoothie? It's, um, I think I've mentioned these before. These little frozen, uh, things. They're from Dole. It's, like, frozen fruit, but it's, like, for making smoothies. It also Mm. includes little, like, frozen squares of, like, I don't know, juice or something that gets blended up in it. Mm -hmm. And then with just, like, some orange juice. That looks delicious. I was feeling like I was feeling like I should probably shouldn't like have alcohol while we talk about a childhood hero for some reason. Sure, felt sure. a little weird. <laughs> that looks really good. I wish that was what I was drinking, but alas, I'm just drinking water. <laughs> well, you're on brand. That's all. Yep. Yeah. New to the podcast, my new emotional support water bottle because my old emotional support water bottle broke. <gasps> really? Oh, yeah, this part right here snapped oh, no. off of it, and I, I had to buy know. a new one. I didn't mm-hmm. know this. You did not tell me this. You guys, this is a major update oh, yeah. in Amanda's life, because let me tell you something about this water bottle. I it does not leave her side. She's obsessed <laughs> with that water bottle. I can't believe it. Just, it looks similar. It's exactly the same, but it's a okay. slightly different color, because when I went to buy a new one, I said, I need everything about the water bottle to be the same, <laughs> so I bought the same one, but it's Can you tell color. we both have obsessive personalities? I love this water bottle. <laughs> so funny. I can't okay. believe you didn't tell me you had to get a new water bottle. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I feel very, like, out of the loop. <laughs> I just, yeah, I forgot that that That's a was major a thing update that I to you. update you on. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> so, clearly, we're both um, really mentally stable this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's going really great. So, let's just kind of feed into that by talking about Mr. Rogers, shall we? Let's shall. Yeah. Uh, well, the the main reason why this was my choice this week, um, because much like Anna shares a birthday with Marilyn Monroe, I share a birthday with Mr. Rogers, and my oh. birthday is coming up, so it felt appropriate to do this this mm-hmm. week. So let's get into it. 
Fred McFeely Rogers is born on March 20th, 1928 in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which is near Pittsburgh. We're going to be talking yeah. a lot of Pittsburgh in this one. Get ready, um, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> buckle up. Can uh, I already to- interrupt with the Pittsburgh thing? Yeah. Okay. Because up here, you're going to hear it called Latrobe. Okay. You don't have to say it like that in this podcast. Okay. Please don't, in fact. But that's uh, what you're going to hear up in these uh, these parts. Latrobe. Okay. <laughs> Um, he's born to James and Nancy Rogers. Uh, James is a businessman and he's the president of the McFeely Brick Company, which was founded by Nancy's father. Um, I can't get over how one of his names is McFeely. Well, Fred is named after his grandfather. I I understand that. Yeah. I'm just saying it's so appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) It's so insane. Are are you serious? (laughs) It's all I, really I think want. about. I didn't even think about that. That's so funny. I think about yeah. it every time they say his full name. I'm like, of course that's one of Fred Rogers' names. Yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> um, Nancy is a hospital volunteer, and she also knits sweaters for American soldiers in Europe. Um, and, you know, the, the cardigans on the show, which we'll uh-huh. talk about later, were all knit, knitted by his mother. Mm-hmm. Um. He has a sister, Elaine, who his parents adopt when he's 11. Um, but otherwise, that's that's the the family. Um, they're they're pretty well off. Like they're decently wealthy. They, you know, they're like his, uh, slightly above middle class, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. They have like a large home and, you know, he's the president of a company, right. so it's to be expected. Um, Fred has a pretty lonely childhood. Um, he's often bullied for being overweight when he's very young. Um, and so he plays with puppets and stuffed animals that he makes himself to entertain himself when he's very young. Can you um, imagine? Can you imagine being the person who bullied Fred Rogers in school? Yeah. Growing how? up and realizing that that was your life. Oh, how awful. What do you feel? And you should. <laughs> and rightfully so. Don't be a bully. I'm not as nice as Mr. Rogers. And I will tell you, you should feel bad. Don't don't be a, don't be rude. <laughs> <laughs> don't be rude. I was going to say something meaner, but that's not how the podcast goes. Okay. Correct. <laughs> uh, he attends Latrobe High School where he starts to become more social. Like he comes out of his shell when he's in high school. Uh, he serves on the student council. He's a member of the National Honor Society. Same. Uh, same. Two We're presidents here. Thank you. Two presidents you. here. Thanks so much. Family Thank dynasty. <laughs> um, and he's the editor-in-chief of the yearbook. He attends Dartmouth College for a year, which I did not know before hey, he- Hey, that's where uh, Dunder and Mifflin met. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Um, before he transfers to Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. Um, while he's at school here, he meets Sarah Joanne Bird. Um, and they both graduate, both of them with Bachelors of Music in 1951. And then they get married in 1952. Um, and she's like a pianist. Yes. Um, professionally and, and... Very, very talented. She's yes. a very talented woman. Um, eventually, they'll have two sons. We, I'm not going to talk a ton about his family, but, you know, that's, mm-hmm. we'll get there eventually. <laughs> um, 
After he graduates, he goes to work for NBC in New York City as a floor director on several programs and eventually um, does a little bit of producing on some programs. So he hated television um, because he thought that the ways that it was being used was horrendous and that like it was this really interesting and potentially very beautiful art form that was being misused. And so he wanted to go to work in television because he believed that it could be better. Which I find to be such an interesting motivation because I think a lot of people in that position like, you know, maybe loved and romanticized it when they were young and then like grew up and were like, oh man, this is it. The system's broken. I'm going to go fix it. But that's not how he was. Like he didn't get a TV for his home until he was a senior in college. And then he was like, I hate this. I have to fix it. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I just think that's kind of incredible. It's um very indicative of Fred's character, I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So in 1953, he moves back to Pittsburgh to work as a program director for the public TV station WQED. Uh, he works with Josie Carey to develop The Children's Corner, um, which is a television show that Josie hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and... While working on this show, he develops several, almost all, of the puppet characters um, that he will later use on his own show. So for the children's corner, he creates Daniel Tiger, King Friday the 13th, Queen Sarah Saturday, X the Owl, Henrietta, and Lady Elaine. Um, We got to see them in the museum, um, in the Heinz uh, Museum up here. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. It was yeah. extremely cool. I was yeah, like, there's a ton I was like, oh my god, pieces. there yeah. they really are. That's mm-hmm. them for real. They had the whole the whole game. neighborhood of make believe there. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. Celebs, celebos. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, so while he's working on the children's quarter, he attends Pittsburgh Theological Seminary and graduates with a Bachelor of Divinity in 1962 and is ordained as a Presbyterian minister in 1963. Um, and I really liked this quote because I think it's uh, well put. It says, his mission as an ordained minister, instead of being a pastor of a church, was to minister to children and their families through television. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he had to, like, you know, go through and, like, reaffirm his ordination or whatever every so often. Yeah. Um, because he was not pastoring a church, but that is sort of what he saw his job as that minister to right. to be um also during this time he attends the university of pittsburgh's graduate school of child development where he meets child psychologist margaret mcfarland who he's gonna end up collaborating with for the next 30 years um she was hugely influential on the ways that he viewed um early childhood development mm-hmm. and she like helped with scripts for his shows and all kinds of stuff for the next you know several years yeah um, i'm gonna i'm just sitting here thinking like 
I'm going to have to do a Sesame Street episode soon because I'm having a lot of the same feelings as like when I learned about the development of Sesame Street. Absolutely. Just like this idea that there was an era of television that like I was lucky enough to witness where it was people like genuinely working for the development of children and Mm -hmm. their wellness Mm -hmm. through television was like. I don't know. It's cool. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there in the beginning, but it was still very much being, like, developed and put forward when I was a kid. It was mm-hmm. like, like, it was a long process. Mm-hmm. So, Well, you know, this is around the time where people actually are starting to really study how children develop. Like, there well, was... you think about when it is, uh-huh. right? Like, we... The, the way that we view the family... And Mm -hmm. everyone's role within the family is now very different than it was, say, in the 40s. Yes. So, you know, due to world events. (laughs) So it's just really interesting to think about, like, how people like Fred Rogers and the folks who developed, like, Sesame Street, like, were part of how we viewed what was valuable in terms of nurturing children. Yeah. Anyway, that's a topic for a different time, but I just well, it, it really is. It. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it a little more as we get to the end. But like Fred's work is hugely influential for yes. basically all ch- child's television programming. Yes, um, but we'll we'll loop back around to that okay. as we go on. I got ahead of you. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. Uh, it's a point. It's a well-made point, and one I was going to make later anyway. <laughs> okay. So. Um, in 1963, Fred moves to Toronto to work with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation CBC. to <laughs> to develop and host the 15 uh, minute black and white children's program, which is called Mr. Rogers, all one word. <laughs> Um, which lasted from 1963 to 1967. So basically just like some of his colleagues when he was working were like, you're really talented at this and you have such a good presence that you should host. Because mm-hmm. he, he already put so much work into the children's corner, all the same like level of work that he would put into anything else he was doing. But they were saying like, you have such a wonderful and calming presence when you work yeah. one-on-one with children. Because that was also part of the work that he was doing, you know, right. like while he was going to school and and learning about child development, he was actually working with children. Yeah, um, well, he and- really pioneers that feeling of, like, him as a host, but it feels like you're one-on-one with him when yes. he's hosting. Yeah, his yeah. style is so gentle. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, it, it grabs your attention without being flashy, which is of course. really big. Um but yeah, he this, the people he was working with were like, you would do really well as a host. So they scooped him up and, and ha- had him start developing this program. Um, so he, he works there for a, a while. And then in 1967, he gets the rights to Mr. Rogers and moves back to Pittsburgh to de- begin developing the show into like a longer format. Mm-hmm. Um, which was kind of a wild move because he was really well loved in Canada. Um, the show was very popular and it, he really didn't have a lot of prospects when he moved back to Pittsburgh. Um, so it was like kind of risky, but you know, as we but know, it's now, his hometown. it works out. Yeah. It, I think that's mostly it. Like he keeps moving back to Pittsburgh cause he loves it there. Um, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1968, 
the the show that he develops um, begins airing nationally as a half hour long program called Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway. Um, it's broadcasted by the National Educational Television Network, which will later become the Public Broadcasting Service. PBS. And we will talk about PBS periodically oh, yeah. as we go through here. Um, so... You know, we're we'll we'll go kind of back and talk through this whole thing, but like as a broad overview, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood ends up running for eight hundred and ninety-five episodes total. Uh, the first season was hundred and eighty black and white episodes, and then every season after that was filmed in color. Um, it is funded by PBS, the Sears Roebuck Foundation, and then other charities. Um, and then in the future, you know, the seasons were shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hugely popular. So, like, yes, <laughs> uh, it was played in sixty-eight or six hundred and eighty thousand homes, uh, and aired on three hundred and eighty-four PBS stations. By the time um, it wrapped production. By the time right. it wrapped production. That was like an overview. In the 80s, the 85 to 86 season is when it was like really, really popular. It was in 1.8 million homes. So wow. well loved. Um, and it ran, it runs until 2001. Uh, and we'll get back into that in a little bit. But like even after that, PBS aired reruns. I watched it growing up Oh yeah, me life. too. Um, well, I mean, I was a kid before 2001, but yes, right. I watched it too. <laughs> but that was when I was, I was the age yes. that this is made for as it was ending. So I was in yeah, the Yeah, you peak. were what, three? Uh-huh, which yes, is, it's, it's, a pre- it's a preschool program, technically. Yeah. It's not, but it is. I mean, <laughs> you it, know. the target audience is preschool-aged yeah. yeah. children. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, as it was finishing, I was the target audience, um, and we were a, a PBS Love and Household. Oh, yeah. Um, so I watched a lot of reruns. Um, uh, and I just thought this was interesting. By 2016, it was the third longest-running program in PBS history. Mm. Um, Sounds yeah. about right. I would uh, guess Sesame Street is ahead of that for sure. At this point, because it's still and airing. I don't know what else would be. For PBS? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Um, but like we were saying, it, it is referred to as is this entire genre as preschool. Not like preschool, like taking your kids to preschool, but right. preschool television. Right. Um, Learning Our, before you enter school or school. those very early. It's like meant to help prepare children for kindergarten. Right. But even in the kindergarten years, it's still like um, well, developmentally like, appropriate. Kindergarten yeah. teachers would use it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is still developmentally appropriate for right. that age. Um it's different from Sesame Street and some of these other preschool programs because its focus is not cognitive lo- learning, but right. social emotional learning. Right. So, the, so you're not learning the alphabet on Mr. Or shapes Rogers, and colors. But you're learning how to care for one another or how to deal right. with difficult situations. Like he did an episode on like divorce. Yeah. Or, or, or death. the death of a pet mm-hmm. or um, feeling jealous of your sibling yes. or um, b- 
being angry at a friend. Like right. it was all these very real situations that young children run into and just don't have any idea how to deal with because they're right. new. And that's kind of <laughs> yeah. the point is that they're learning how to deal with those things. Um, but, you know, almost all, still today, almost all preschool programming is based on cognitive learning. Sure. If it is an educational program, it is trying to teach kids shapes and colors and now, numbers and names I of would things say and- that now Sesame Street also includes the emotional. It and it did does. back in the day, too. Yeah. Like in the 70s, I mean, hello, they had a full episode on, you know, one of their cast members passing away yeah on on sesame street so it's not like sesame street excluded that and i would say they've added they've taken up that mantle very much since 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 the end of mr rogers yeah and more recently with just the way the social climate is now yes they've been more intentional about it i think yes i agree um but that's really when it's when it first starts coming out what sets it apart it's very unlike any other because there's already not not yet a ton of this programming like sesame Mm -hmm. street starts uh a few years after mr rogers Mm -hmm. um so they're kind of contemporaries but there's very little of this programming and even less of it that has anything to do with and, social emotional learning. And Sesame Street has vastly different roots. Yeah. <laughs> let, yes. let me just tell you, it's very different in terms of how it came to be. Right. So maybe we'll, maybe I'll do an episode on Sesame Street. That, yeah, that would be fun. <laughs> then maybe that's our month of March. <laughs> we'll see. Don't hold me to a theme right now, but. <laughs> um. So Fred puts what can only be described as a frankly insane amount of work into this program and every episode of it, right? Um, He writes and edits all of the episodes. He plays piano and sings for most of the songs. He writes over 300 songs, creates all the characters, um, not just like making the puppets, but also, like, developing their personalities right. and their storylines. He plays most of the mm-hmm. puppets. Um, he hosts and produces the show. So it's a lot of hats. Yeah. He, it's all the hats, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he went from being a program developer to being the host of a program that well, he and also the developed. Right. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, it's beyond just developing. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's his his art yeah right (laughs) yeah um and you know everything on the show is is based on that other work he does in working with directly with children and in their their social emotional learning um uh in 1971 the uh, they formed the family communications which is now the fred rogers company Mm -hmm. which produces uh, the show, and then later on other programs and like non-broadcast materials, so books right. and consumables for families and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's sort of an overview of the show. We'll we'll dip back into it on and off from here on out. But I just wanted to talk about two very wonderful and interesting events that occurred in May of 1969. That's when we went to the moon. 
Oh yeah, and didn't, I didn't even. I wasn't paying attention. I'm what I was shocked. paying attention to when I was learning about this was that these two things happened nine days away from each other, or eight days. Eight anyway, days. Yeah. Um, but it's also when we went to the moon. Okay. Yes, Thank of you course, of course. So, uh, on May first, nineteen sixty-nine, Fred testifies before the U.S. Senate Subcommittee on Communications. Uh, which is chaired by Democratic Senator Senator John Pastor. Um, and basically, the reason he's there is because Lyndon Johnson had proposed a $20 million bill for the creation of PBS before he left office. Classic and then, Lyndon B. move. Classic exactly. Lyndon B. move. And then in, class in Nick, classic Nixon style, <laughs> yeah. he wants to cut the funding to $10 million. Classic Nixon move, baby. Yep. Um, and this is very, very early on in the history of the show. Like, it's mm-hmm. been running for a year now. So he's not really, Fred's not really nationally known yet. Uh, but he's chosen to testify at oh. this committee to say, you know, you it's really important for you to keep this budget the same. I literally just got chills thinking oh, about yeah. this speech. Um, <laughs> like, I'm not yeah, kidding. The, I had a physical reaction when you said he's called to testify. <laughs> the video of this is um, oh, available on the internet. It Watch is, it. Watch it. It is incredible, but we'll talk more about that here as we go. So he he's chosen to testify because he is very persuasive and he makes emotional connections to the audience. So, like, imagine in your head that your typical Senate hearing on anything and the people talking no, about thanks. this. I'm good, actually. Thank <laughs> but you. But, like, <laughs> the image in your yeah. head is of people either being very impassioned or very frustrated while yeah. talking, right? He is neither of these things. Or clinical. Um, yeah, no, he's not, not clinical, clinical either. either. No. Um it's he's very uh, he just spe- he speaks the way that he hosts the show. He quotes one of his songs. He quotes um what do you do with your with the mad that you feel? Yeah. Um oh, and, uh-oh. and like <laughs> yep, oh yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> that one always gets me. Okay. Um so the clip of the testimony was televised um and it helps secure funding for PBS for like many years afterward so when he finishes speaking um John Pastor goes well you've just earned the 20 million yeah like he's he, he's he says in something tears. like um the, you know yeah that that has earned 20 yeah, million dollars exactly like he, yeah and it's so it, and he's, he's like in the tears he's like is so up. beautiful yeah. and then him saying that right at the end you just kind of it's like this emotional like pow like oh man, yeah wow yeah um <laughs> it's like a movie could not have done it better yeah that's how good it is like you can't make that stuff up <laughs> yeah well so this quote this quote is referring to to his testimony and it says it was considered one of the most powerful pieces of testimony ever offered before congress and one of the most powerful pieces of video presentation ever filmed um yeah. it it you know it brought john pastor to tears he he was sitting there like while fred is talking and he says like i have goosebumps i haven't felt that all day in in these proceedings and you can like hear other people like around him like (laughs) like sniffling and like shuffling like um and and you know because of this it increased the funding from 9 million to 22 million 
dollars. And in 1970, Nixon appoints Rogers as the chair of the White House Conference on Children and Youth because yeah, he's so would have been a really bad speech. PR move to not. Do oh that. yeah, which yeah. Um, Nixon knows a thing or two about bad PR truly, moves. Truly, um, <laughs> but I like could not get through this episode without talking about that because it's like hugely popular and genuinely one of the most like currently like viral videos on the internet it has like millions and millions and millions of views it's like it's it's, so good like they study public relation experts study it yeah of course they do in the way that he presents himself it's incredible um okay i think more lawmakers should study it i agree frankly but that's just me um so that's may 1st of 1969 yeah on May 9th of 1969, an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood airs. Um, oh, so there are guys. several, this one always makes me cry. Uh-oh. There are several characters in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, right? There are his neighbors, and some of them are the puppets in the neighborhood of Make Believe, and some of them are real people, like just like on Sesame Street. Actors. And one character is Officer Clemens, who is a policeman. Oh and he's played by the actor Francois Clemens, who is a black man. And I was watching an interview with Francois, and he was saying that he was, like, very hesitant to take the role. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it, he said, you know, in my view, the police officer is the most dangerous person in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, which is exactly why Fred wanted to cast him as that, because he wanted to see, he wanted to show children, not only is this person a safe person for you to be around, but a protector for you to be around. Like, that's why he... Also, it was a different time when exactly. we were still hoping that might be true. <laughs> right. But like, you know, on a preschool program, yeah. you teach children, if there yes. is an emergency, here is who you go right. to. And he wanted that to be... A black man, because right. there's no reason for it not to be, you know, like that hey, was. Also, and by the way, Francois Clemens was also a gay man. Yes. that Though is, not, yes. not, I don't know that he was open at the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know think, that he I was know. out, but I, Fred knew though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So the officer Clemens comes in and Fred Rogers has his feet in the kiddie pool because it's a hot day and he's it's spraying so water on his feet in the kiddie pool. And uh-huh. Fre- Officer Clemens comes and sits down and he puts his feet in the pool with him. And this was in 1969. And most public swimming pools are still segregated at this point. Yeah. Um, and to some the point, tragic things have happened. To the point of violence, right? Yeah. yeah. And so this scene breaks the color barrier quote-unquote on public television like it was it was uh, a not at all subtle dig at people who were creating violence at public swimming pools towards black people okay and then though yeah 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 he washes his feet Uh uh-huh oh i'm sorry i'm getting emotional about it no it's it's an incredible emotional every time i see it because it's an incredible piece of television the and the washing of the feet too is so um like personal to Fred and his yes. religious experience yes. that it just makes it all the more yes. like emotional, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. It anyway. is like one of my favorite scenes on television. Yeah. Period, easily. Of easily. Um, again, a, a, such a famous and interesting moment that I couldn't not include that. Yeah, like it is so it was, historic. Yes. I think about it all the time. I think about it all the time. Too. Oh, Fred. Oh, Fred. The amount of times in my life that I say, oh, Fred. (laughs) 
I have a calendar on my wall that is just images of the Fred Rogers statue uh, here in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And every time I turn to a new month, I just go, oh, Fred. (laughs) Which, by the way, if you've never been to the statue, I definitely recommend it because it's this beautiful statue of him sitting. It's like 11 feet tall. Yeah, it's under this big archway. And when you are there, there is constantly playing clips of him speaking. So you can go and sit with Fred and listen to him. And anyway, the photos are by an incredible Pittsburgh photographer named Dave DiCello. Look him up online and you can see the pictures. They're beautiful. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Um. Okay, so uh, this next section is, uh, like, I've tried my best to kind of organize it chronologically, but also I'm just going to just talk about some kind of random stuff over the next few years of his life as well. Um, So let's let's get into that. So in 1975, he takes a hiatus from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So he puts the show on hold for a few years to focus on other work. Um, And actually, at this time, he does a lot of adult programming, Mm -hmm. um, which is similar work. Like, he's still, like, trying to highlight community members and, like, that kind of thing. He's also... Emotional intelligence. Yep. He's also writing a lot of books, um, a lot that are are related to his his work in, in child development. Um, and he's, like, going back and studying childhood development with other professionals. So he's just, like, taking some time, basically, to, like, hone his craft, essentially. Yeah. And to, over the next and to learn the new things that yeah. have come. Because childhood development is always, that study is always changing. Absolutely. Um, especially during this time. Exactly. Because this is when it was, it was kind of at its height. Yeah, for um, sure. So the show returns from its hi- hiatus in 1979, and it runs straight till 2001. So it doesn't take another break during that time. And this is what is, like, kind of known as its, right. like, Hate renaissance. It. it gets, yeah. it gets really, really popular in the mid-80s. That's mm-hmm. when it's, like, that's when they start parodying it on SNL, you know? Right. Like that's that's <laughs> right. when you know. It's um, at the, uh, the national zeitgeist at that point exactly (laughs) um but it's also said to like really hit its stride after that point as well like that 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 hiatus was really beneficial for fred and for it um this i just thought was very interesting and i thought you would find very interesting yes so i'm just gonna mostly read this quote um so in september of 1987 he visits moscow to appear as the first guest on the long-running soviet children's show good night little ones with host tatiana let's see if i can do it ved no videnyeva that's good okay i'll take it um and it's broadcasted in the soviet union on december 7th um which was at the same time that the washington summit meeting between um gorbachev and reagan was happening in dc which is fascinating Mm. um and then she visits the set of mr rogers neighborhood in november and they you know tape her there and it airs in march of 1988 um, but I just thought that was very interesting that he can goes I, over there to be on that children's program. Can I ruin it a little bit for you? Yeah. I already knew that. 
Uh, well, oh no, I'm sure you already no, know, but, but I just is. find it so interesting. Well, you were like, I think this will be exciting to you. I already knew one, sorry. <laughs> but it is, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting time to be talking about it, too. But, you know, we're not going <laughs> too deep into that because it will make me really sad and upset, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah, this is where I'm. I'm at the point where I've just got some other, like, Interesting facts Fun about facts. him and the type of person that he was and the life that he lived because so much of his life was dedicated to this work that that's like a, a lot of what there is to talk about is that is, you know, him on the show and the kinds of things that he did on the show. But here are some other just interesting things about him. Um, he makes over 150 commencement speeches in his life. He's a hugely sought after commencement speaker. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Um, he is red, green, colorblind. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting. And he was a vegetarian. Like, kind of famously so. Like, uh-huh. he, he spoke very publicly about that fact. Um, he loves swimming. He swims almost every day. Um, and then, you know, we talked about how, the fact that he was a, a Presbyterian minister. Um, and obviously, like, a lot of the things that he talks about on the show are, like, inspired by christianity but he's never explicit about that on the show um it's almost like it's more about the morality than anything else but exactly well i'm just you know whatever this is a quote from him he had said you don't need to speak overtly about religion in order to get the message across yeah so like yeah totally um it's just about you know do you have good morals? Doesn't really matter where they come from. Right. right. Um, but I found this very interesting and also just a really great example of who he was as a person. He also studied Catholic mysticism, yes. Judaism, and Buddhism, like in uh, lots of other faiths and cultures. Because Oh, yeah. He wanted to understand it all. Absolutely. And yeah. when he's talking about how to live as a good person, as a small child, talking about being in good relation with people unlike you is an important topic. Yeah. And he believed that in his everyday life as well. You know? it It's like, um, it always makes me think of Stephen Colbert. Yes. Because he is so devout in his religion mm-hmm. in a way that I think some people don't necessarily consider devoutness if you are within that religion, let's just say. Mm-hmm. But he, he is very firm in his faith. But he doesn't push it on other people. And in fact, a lot of the things that you would think the church would teach him are not things that he promotes. Right. right? So I think that it's a similar kind of way of presenting your faith. Uh-huh. Those two men do it in a way that I find really kind of lovely and interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Um well, and you know, I was talking about how he, his that that view on the show of like how to treat your neighbors well. Mm-hmm. I think about um, I can't remember his name, Jeff something, but the the kid who had the electric wheelchair that he had on. Oh, yeah. And then we'll talk about it in a minute. But when he is inducted into the Television Hall of Fame, he comes oh. on stage to present it to him. Yeah. So um, but like he had him on the sh- on the show to explain his electric wheelchair to kids so that in their lives. 
if those kids saw somebody with an electric wheelchair, they wouldn't be startled by it. They wouldn't be confused by it. They would know the right and appropriate kind of questions to ask about it. Like that just exposure to things that kids don't know. Jeff Erlinger. Erlinger. I couldn't think of his last name. Yeah. Um, All of that kind of stuff, like, is just... And then they sing the song together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just stuff that, like, it's stuff that he thought was important, that that presenting other views to kids. Like, he does all that social-emotional learning, but he also just, like, is always trying to pr- promote cultural intelligence as well. Like, yes. Like, in every episode... Well, part of social intelligence, ac- Absolutely. Right? Like, he, and as part of every episode, he goes out into the community or a community and shows you something. Like, he He's, leaves his home and goes into the yeah. neighborhood yes. um, to show you things in every episode. And he, t- he taught children how to live in the world. Absolutely. And not just their own world. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just instilled... A, a curiosity in people of yes like I, w- I watched an episode of the show last night while I was taking notes because of course I did um um and he sings a song about like if you love someone you want to share with them the things that you like and yes. so this is a thing that I like and because I love you I want to share it with you that you know that was his philosophy and like the way he presented that to children Anyway, that was a rant, but it wasn't. But it was a little bit. Um, He reads every fan letter that he receives. And um, in the early years, he responded to everyone personally. But eventually he gets, like, way too many. many. (laughs) So he has to hire a staff member to answer them. But he read, edited, and signed everyone. So even if he wasn't writing them himself, he, like, cleared them all and signed them all before he sent them on. He acted on a lot of them, too. Like, there's a story about this little girl who was in the hospital and her, I think her mother wrote to him and just said, like, we love your show. We watch it every day while we're here. And he flew to where they were and visited her in the Mm -hmm. hospital. Like, Mm -hmm. he did stuff like like that all the time. That's how he met people to have on his program. Yeah. Yes. Or if you met him and said, I wrote you a letter when I was three, he would say, I remember that. I remember he that. Did. Yeah. He and did. then like, he'd say, are... like, you said yeah. this, this, there and that. I remember. There are so many stories I read about people, like, running into him in an elevator mm-hmm. and just saying in passing, like, oh, you really changed my life. I wrote you this thing. And he'll say, oh, yeah, I remember you. And I remember that meeting. Yeah. And, like, he had, he, and he genuinely does. Like, he wasn't just saying that. Like, he had right. a really good memory for that kind of thing, you know. Um, so he receives uh, a Lifetime Achievement Emmy in 1997. If you have not watched that speech, do it. It is beautiful. (sighs) And he's inducted into the Television Hall of Fame in 1999, which is what we were just talking about. Again, if you have not watched that speech, please do. It's Um, so good. I'm just, I'm tearing up thinking about it. He does one of my favorite things that he ever does in both of those speeches, where he asks the audience to sit in silence for 10 seconds this is what's gonna get me and think about all of the people in your life who have got you where you are who have loved you into being here and Um, then the audience all starts crying yeah because he he goes he's up there silence it's just really funny because the camera like pans and it's all these celebrities just like silent 
crying. Yeah. Because, he, because so you know, he's up there and he's talking and all of these people are like, oh, what a delightful person. Yeah. We're celebrating and, and honoring him. And then he so says, I want serious. you yeah. to now take a little bit of time to reflect on if this was you up here, who were who are the people you would thank, you know? And he and, watches the time and they all sit silently for yes. 10 seconds and you really do see all of the you see the people in the audience thinking about it like they don't just like look and, at him for the 10 seconds awkwardly like they really think about it and you can kind of tell that for a lot of them like you can kind of see a switch on many of their faces that's like well it, you yeah and that's why he's oh. there getting that achievement you yes. know because oh. part of what he says after that is um whether they're he- still here or not, how yeah. happy would they have been to know that you thought of them just now? Oh. And, like, the reason he's so, on the stage is so because good. so many of those people thought of him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's such a good man. Yep. <laughs> okay. This is Uh-oh. the weepy part. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh-huh. Um, so he finishes production of Mr. Robert Rogers' Neighborhood in 2000, and then the final episode airs in 2001. And at this point, he, like, semi-retires. He's not, like, all the way retired. Because um, he still makes public appearances. Well, he's um, retired from the show. Right. Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, and just, you know, he does a little less work than he was right. doing before. Well, but TV-wise, a significantly less work. But, you know. Um, he also works on a children's media center that's named after him at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, which I thought was interesting. I did not know that that was a thing and that he did so much work with it. Um, and then in 2002, he's having severe stomach pain that was, like, chronic for a long time. So he goes to get it checked out, and he's diagnosed with stomach cancer. Um and then he actually delays his treatment until after he's able to serve as Grand Marshal of the 2003 Rose Parade uh, with Art Linkletter mm, and I feel yikes. like we could skip over this other person, frankly. Yeah. Skip over them. Who cares? Yeah. Art, Link- um, Art Linkletter, fine. We're going to yeah. skip over the other person. Um, so he, But he delays his treatment until after he can do that. And then um, on January 6th, he undergoes stomach surgery and then he dies less than two months later on February 27th, 2003, a month before his 75th birthday. Um, and he dies at home in Pittsburgh with his wife, Joanne, with him. They had been married for oh, 50 years. I remember when he passed away. Oh, yeah. Sad. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> there were basically every major publication on the planet had him as the you know i mean it was for us recently when when betty white passed it was very much very much the same you know like it was the same kind of cultural feeling except that i was 11 or something and i didn't totally understand like the cultural shift i just understood like wait that's no way yeah he's on my tv all the time teaching me stuff no way yeah um, but you know, it was, it was, I think that that's probably about as close as I can c- compare it to yeah. as when Betty White passed. Um, so he, there's a private funeral for him on March 1st, 2003, um, in Unity Chapel, uh, in Latrobe. Uh, it has a, about 80 relatives, coworkers, and close friends there, which was, it was very, it was planned very secretly so that there could yeah. be a private service for him. Which most people of his 
standing don't get. Yeah. I find that really lovely that they made sure that that happened for his family. Mm-hmm. Um, at the funeral, uh, William Barker, uh, what who was the voice of Mister Platypus on Mister mm. Rogers' Neighborhood, read his favorite Bible passage, which I just thought Aww. was sweet. Um, and he is interred at Unity Cemetery in Latrobe in a mausoleum owned by his mother's family. And then on May third, two thousand three, there's a public memorial at Heinz Hall, um, for him. And according to the Post Gazette, uh, twenty seven hundred people attended the service which is not surprising um this last note that i have because i'm sure we'll talk about him for a minute here but it's just something i found interesting and i either knew and forgot or didn't know Uh, yeah um but through an ancestor who immigrated from germany to the u.s rogers is the sixth cousin of tom hanks who portrayed him in a beautiful day in the neighborhood in 2019. Oh, Thomas um, Hanks. I just thought that was really interesting really that cool. he was his sixth cousin and he got to play, play him. him. That's really cool. He did yeah. a great job, by the way. He did. That movie is beautiful. It was beautiful. It. And and while he was here uh, filming, um, you know, that's when the the synagogue um, shooting happened. Mm-hmm. And he was so kind to the city. He came out and he made speeches and really like represented fred mm-hmm. i think he was great yeah um can i i'm surprised this wasn't in your notes oh um his obsession with 143 oh yeah um there was there was a thing about it um that was in relation to his weight which i didn't really feel like talking about because it's like a whole thing but yeah go ahead i mean okay so he's obsessed with the number 143 143 Uh because one four and three are the number of letters in the words i love love you you. yeah and he it becomes like a numerology thing for him yes like obsessed with it and and yeah, you're right. Like he he kept his he kept weight his as weight. exactly 143. Yeah. So he would he would swim and then weigh himself like uh-huh. every day to make sure that his weight was. It's like um, it's like Sidney Crosby being so obsessed with 87. Yes, it's the numerology thing. Like I don't know, maybe maybe there's something in the air in Pittsburgh that <laughs> makes people behave that way. I mean, Sid's not from here, but he's been here long enough, so he might as well be. But but yeah, I just found it interesting. I was surprised it wasn't in your notes because it's yeah, like a well, thing. And only- we have one four three day like here in Pittsburgh, right? Just, like celebrate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, friends. it was mostly just because the only reference to it was in a thing that I was reading about his weight, and I just didn't really like the way that the um, I get that. passage was uh, written and presented. Sure, I so I just kind of skipped over it. But that is true that 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 I love you number was a number that he was otherwise obsessed with. <laughs> Yeah, it was just, yeah, I, I would say it's a, a numerology thing, probably, yeah. just do it, like, in his brain. And I get yeah. that as a non-neurotypical person. I get yep. it. Yep, Um <laughs> Yeah. But oh, yeah, Fred. That's, uh, that's Fred Rogers. And, you know, part of what I was uh, reading about him was just, like, the, just the laundry list of uh, creators of media for children who yeah. have said they were directly inspired by him. You know, like, the... Writer of The Hungry Caterpillar and the oh, creator yeah. of Arthur, which just... Oh. Arthur, Arthur might have been the other long-running... 
Oh, maybe, yeah. PBS show, because it just ended. It's been on for a long time. It just ended. Yeah. Like, like a month ago, maybe. Yeah, that was from when I was a kid. I don't remember Mm -hmm. when it started, but. Anyway, sorry, that was, yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, like, every other children's program, as we know it today, that is at least vaguely- uh, vaguely educational would not exist without without no. him and his no influence way. um you know now there's now there's um daniel tiger's neighborhood which delights I know, me that i that love exists. that it, it's so wild to me that like there are kids who watch this show who like probably haven't maybe haven't yet seen mr rogers neighborhood mm-hmm. so it's like this totally separate character for them yeah and i just think I just think Fred would find it so delightful. I think he would just mm-hmm. love it so I much. I mean, it's, that, it's, it's that created Daniel, and produced like, by the Fred Rogers Company. Yeah, so, I just yeah. think he'd be so excited to know that, like, Daniel Tiger, who he had this, like, personal connection with, mm-hmm. even though it was a fictional character, like, got to go live his own life teaching kids. Mm-hmm. And, like, like that's carrying, what I think. On that, carrying on that um, yes. mission that he had in his life Ugh. and... Yeah, so sweet. I just I I love him for a lot of reasons, but I just think he's one of the very few celebrities that we have who was just so genuinely good. Um, I mean, he certainly wasn't perfect, but no, but he was was so so kind, kind hearted, and and all he wanted was for things to be better. mm -hmm. Like that's all he wanted, really. At the end of the day, and then you know his whole life's work was in teaching children like he he as as a teacher i'm so inspired by the creative way that he found to like live that calling Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and and to do it so genuinely and so lovingly um and the fact that it's so effective that adults watch it now yeah adults who have and have not seen it before will watch it and it will teach them something yeah because it's just that genuinely effective for something that is Mm -hmm. so important for everybody to learn and he really saw the importance of like you need to develop this emotional intelligence at a young age because otherwise like you're not going to be able to act on it in the same way. You're going to have to go through this painful process of like unlearning all this stuff mm-hmm. if you wait too long to learn this sort of emotional intelligence. And he was right. He's totally right. It's yeah. harder to unlearn it <laughs> like later. Yeah. And the sooner you can start teaching it to children, the better. Yeah. Frankly. I know um, that I ju- just put a little bit of audio in our last episode when we were talking about Langston Hughes, but I think I might put in here at least a little bit of um, It's You I Like, which is my favorite Mr. Rogers song. Um, so and I good. think it's the one I referenced at the beginning, and I just think it's, um, uh, I think it I'm really sums right up, now. yeah, I just think it really sums up like everything that he believed in and everything that he yeah. wanted to teach children. Yeah. So I'm and gonna... do you know what else I really love that he taught in that song specifically was that like you do not have to be anything other than the like who you were who you are yeah like there's no reason for you to like change who you fundamentally are as a person in order to be liked and worthy of love yep oh yep. So I'm going to put, if not all of that, at least part of that song in here. It's you 
I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. Not the things that hide you. Not your toys. They're just beside you. But it's you I like. Well, man, I could talk about Fred Rogers for a long time. Same. I won't keep it too long, but yeah. Um, that was a really good one. I'm Thanks. Glad we so on him. March 20th, say happy birthday to me and also to Fred Rogers. <laughs> And by the way, Amanda is wearing a Mr. Rogers Neighborhood t-shirt and a card cardigan right now. Correct. This is not what I wore to work. I put this yeah. on to record the podcast. I know. I almost went and put on my Mr. Rogers sweatshirt, but I was too hot. But <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a good one. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Sesame Street next time. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see how the research process goes or if I just decide maybe something else. Um. But, yeah, I want to really quickly say that um, my heart is very much with Ukraine right now. Uh-huh. And there are lots of different ways that we can support them. So, if I mean, if you can, just try to send some support to Ukraine if you want to donate somewhere or just, I don't know, spread some kind of love to um, to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, you, everybody knows I have a really deep love for Russia and I talk about it all the time and that is true I have a deep love for the Russian people and their history um, and I also know that there are a lot of Russian people out there right now um, you know speaking up and saying this is not right and mm-hmm. their leadership is not doing right by them which they haven't in a very long time um, you know, both of those things can be true. The government can be terrible and the people can also be, you know, victims of this war that shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to say, like, yeah. we are sending lots of love to Ukraine yeah, and to the people of Russia who are protesting and doing something very brave because mm-hmm. that is not very safe for people in Russia right now. So... Uh, maybe in the episode yeah. description, we can put a couple of places where you can yes. support um, the um, people of Ukraine right now. Remind me. And yeah. I'll do that. Um, I just, I have the um, sunflowers picture from the Van Gogh exhibit on my phone. And every time I look at it, I think of Ukraine. So yeah, that's all. <laughs> yeah. I'm emotional about that too. <laughs> I'm emotional about it all today. We're all having a week. Yeah, a little bit. Um, okay, so don't know what it's going to be next time, but um, if anybody has suggestions or comments or anything like that, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at RTTPod, and we would love it if you would give this uh, podcast a rating and review wherever you listen to it, wherever you find it. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Oof. It was an emotional one today, you guys. It was. We've had a couple of those. I, I made the mistake of Haven't had of one doing, in a while, though. <laughs> I, made, I made the mistake of doing Jonathan Larson and then this. Both well, I guess that one within was Within the last emotional. couple of months. Yeah. 
I guess that one was pretty emotional. This one felt more emotional. To uh, yeah. Me, but. <laughs> um. Well, all right. Well then. I guess until next time. Bye.